0: Hello, and welcome to Buddies Without Borders, the November 2022 episode, if I remember correctly.
1: You're correct. Woohoo!
0: My name is Stevie Jackson. I'm an actor, writer, and producer in Vancouver, BC, Canada.
1: My name is Christopher Royce. I am a writer and a podcaster and a web designer and a guy who says when things are correct in Palo Alto, California, (laughs) in the U.S. of A.
0: (laughs) Excellent. Well done.
1: And here we are. We are podcasting. That is correct.
0: Excellent. Good. Glad that I had that right. Mm-hmm. Um little concerned that we mm-hmm. were doing something else. You never know.
1: <laughs> you never what know. What if we were
0: live streaming? What if we were uh twitching TikTok-ing. Or, or TikToking <laughs> or uh, one of the myriad apps that I am too old to learn how to use.
1: I I am not too old and I don't think you are. I am just unwilling.
0: <laughs> I use too old as an excuse. I am unwilling <laughs> I am unwilling to learn TikTok. I think I find I did download TikTok. Oh, yeah. I did. And I look at stuff on it. And I think I even made an account because uh, my best friend told me that if I made an account, even if I never post anything, um, over time the algorithm will learn what I like. Yeah. And then the
1: recommendation engine kicks in.
0: Yeah. So then I will get better stuff. And this all happened because I encountered, I think on Twitter, Instagram, and then that took me to TikTok, I encountered the uh, Elise Myers bad first date taco story which if you've I not know seen I know this. is amazing okay um the short version you should hear her tell it it's a multi part tiktok saga but the short version is basically she starts with like what's the worst first date i've ever been on i'm so glad you asked mm-hmm. let me tell you right now uh, <laughs> i i met this guy on an app and uh we we arranged to meet up and then like on the day he said Uh, He didn't have his car or something. And could I come to him? So I came to him and then he was waiting outside his house. He said, like, we were going to go to a restaurant and I was picking him up. And then he gave me turn by turn directions to Taco Bell. And somewhere in that drive, I started thinking, like, he could be taking me anywhere. This was probably a bad idea. And I don't know why I didn't stop the car. And anyway, (laughs) she said they get so they get to the Taco Bell drive through and uh, (laughs) he leans over and he's like, I would like 100 hard shell tacos. Thank you and then, of course, does not have his wallet, so she has to pay Uh
2: for
0: 100 tacos, which they then have to go and park while the poor staff makes 100 tacos, because making 100 tacos takes longer than they want you to sit in the drive-thru because there's a line behind you. So then they get the tacos, and they go back to his house, where it turns out he lives with his dad, Mm -hmm. and so now they're chowing down on the tacos and the dad comes in and is like would you like to see my empty photography studio and that is when she like got up and left because that was I mean that's obviously leading to murder
1: Yeah, (laughs) I did not recognize her name but I have um, I have seen these videos it's brilliant it's very um what, what why are why are people yeah
0: like i'm listen i'm glad she survived i wish she had left a thousand times before she did but so did she like especially in reference like she knows like this was I, yeah i don't know why i had this situation happen at all um <laughs> my, i would have a... <laughs> i would have noped out when he was like can you come pick me up at my house they're like no yeah i will not do that you can meet me at the taco bell but i am not coming-to-your-house person I've never met.
1: Well, and also, like, when the restaurant turns out to be a fast-food <laughs> drive through like, I know technically Taco Bell is a restaurant, a, restaurant. <laughs> a franchise eatery, but, like, uh, what are we doing?
0: <laughs> yeah, like, this is, this is definitely the weirdest first date I've ever heard of. But, yeah, apparently this guy has done this before.
1: Well, sure.
0: Because somebody commented on her tiktok was that dave well this woman was like if you happen to live in this area i think Mm -hmm. that this is a thing that a guy does because this also happened to me and then i don't know if they ever got the rest of that story but like a couple of other women have had this exact experience where a guy somehow manages to manipulate them into buying him 100 tacos now one thing that Elise did that I thought was brilliant was when she decided that she was noping out of leading. She gathered up the remaining tacos and yeah, took them with her
1: cuz she fucking paid for them. They're
0: her tacos she paid for them and then she proceeded to eat them over the next like couple of weeks. Just every meal was tacos. Oh
1: brutal. Well, did you a 100
0: tacos at once?
1: True, but also I would say, like, I think they're a buck a pop, so it's not like you're really out if you do have to flee and leave your tacos.
0: That was one of the questions in the comments, was like, what did this cost you? And she worked it out, like, mm-hmm. she, she sort of looked up because she didn't remember. But, you know, you, yeah. you can look up what one hard shell taco is, a Taco Bell, and then multiply it by 100 and mm-hmm. add your tax and tip and whatever. Um, but it's it was something like, it was $150. Like, that's not small. Yeah. Um, especially like if you think you're going to lunch or dinner at a restaurant and mm-hmm. that restaurant is a Taco Bell.
1: Is a drive through. You're not like,
0: prepared to spend $150 at Taco well, Bell. Well, that's very
1: true. But I do feel like the the drive through is really the bigger part for that was taking amazing. someone on a date. Yeah. Like I can understand. <laughs> OK, we're just going to you know, we're going to do this. You know, if it's a first date, we're going to go kind of cheap. Yeah. You sure. know, not a big deal. But like go into the place
0: go in sit down yeah but then how would he get his 100 tacos home exactly so anyway what an amazing scam um i hope he's okay i hope all the other women who've experienced this are okay i hope there's no murdering happening in that studio but i just Uh. like yeah when his dad came in was like do you want to see my private studio like that was that was well after i would have noped out but i'm glad that that was her breaking point because i think
1: true crime story for the ages well
0: that's just like have you ever watched dateline like this is not (laughs) all of this is a red flag just screaming red flags everywhere like yeah this is what i mean i don't i don't know that i would it's been a while since i've been on a date because among (laughs) other among other reasons pandemic sure was not a time to go meet strangers Um,
1: (laughs) not so much (laughs) no
0: but also like i guess i've done i've done some online dating i've never used an app i've Mm. used like websites (laughs) i guess it's i guess it's all apps now
1: websites washingtonpost.com
0: but like where there's a full profile but then also yeah i mean i date women so it's a little bit of a different situation because we both have to be careful sure uh that it's not you know a serial killering killing man masquerading or like you meet in public you meet in public yeah you don't go to the other person's house on the first or even second date yeah that's Uh,
1: that's good advice you do your
0: research you like you meet them in in a public place the first time in a place with a time limit of some kind like let's have coffee for our first meeting because coffee is an hour that can be extended (laughs) if it's going well yeah and it can be cut short if it's not going well, and the other thing that we do, people probably know this. I don't know if I should say. I don't want to. I don't want to out all of us. Another thing that women do, and here's the thing. You know what? I will tell because you'll never know if it's real or not. Ooh, but another okay. thing that we like to do is set up the escape phone call.
1: Oh yeah, no, this is a trope. Like yeah, this is a f- thing people know about.
0: Fifteen minutes into the date, mm-hmm. you get a phone call.
1: Oh my God, your apartment's flooding. You need to come right away. A
0: friend has an emergency. You have to go back to work. You have Mm -hmm. to, you know, whatever. Uh, And so if it's going well, you either ignore the call or you answer it and say, I'm really sorry. I can't, whatever. I'm with someone right now.
2: Uh,
0: Or you answer the call and, oh my God, there's an emergency and you have to leave. Mm -hmm. And I will say this is only backfired on me once. Uh, And it was back when I was still dating men and it was just like, he wanted to like accompany me back to work. He want, like, he wouldn't, he was having trouble letting me leave. And we were in public. Like I was not, uh, you know, scared. Exactly. Yeah. I was just, I was having trouble extricating myself from the situation, uh, which was part of the reason I wanted to extricate myself. Cause he was weird. It was like, Oh, I understand okay. why you're single. You're very weird. I need to get out of here. I don't want to continue this. Um, but then he was sort of, I think under the guise of chivalry, maybe not even guys, like he thought he was being helpful. I don't think he understood that it was an escape phone call because I feel like that's an unwritten rule, right? Like we know this. Yeah, potentially. This happens. Certainly you should know that that's a possibility. It's possible someone's getting a legit phone call 15 minutes into your date, but also it's very possible, especially if that person is a woman, that they've set this up and it's a safety check from a friend.
1: I think um, two two things to, to tag that with. One is yeah. being a professional actor. I think perhaps you've sold it too convincingly. Possibly. That it was a real situation. Yeah. And also I do see myself, not so much now, but like in my 20s, as being that guy of like, oh, can I help yeah. you with and your like, friend who's got why a flat don't tire?
0: I, why don't I go back to work with you yeah. and then we'll go get dinner? It was like, no, no, no. So you, I ended up.
1: Like just misinterpreting the energy of the moment.
0: I ended up having to actually, because then I was like now i don't know and is he gonna follow me is he so Uh i ended up having to go back to work go into the building and then just like wait there for half an hour (laughs) to make sure he was gone like just sit in the office this was years ago yeah but just in case because it it was also a time during which like everything was in a very small area so i lived within very quick walking distance of my office like i would say under 10 minutes on foot
1: nice
0: um and then the coffee shop that we had met in was maybe another 10 minutes on foot. So I didn't want to go home from the coffee shop because then if he did happen to follow, he would know where I lived.
2: Yeah, I didn't
0: great. love him knowing where I worked, but it was a big enough building that like, it's not like he would know where in the building, like it was a few floors. It was, yeah. He has no idea where in that building I'm going. Um, And of course I didn't do anything stupid, like turn on the office light, <laughs> <laughs> Yes, you know, just sat in the dark in the office for like half an hour and then left. Uh, but just because I thought oh I would rather if he, chances are he's not following me and he didn't, I will say I didn't, yeah. I, I knew later that he hadn't, um, and I'll explain how in a minute, but like just on the off chance, <laughs> it's like the building I worked in was a building that like was open to the public. It was, I was perfectly fine with someone if they had to know where I worked, at least seeing that I went into that building and then he never needs to see me come out and then I'll be able to go home. But I knew he didn't follow me later because by the time I got home, this was long enough ago that, like, we didn't have the internet in my office. <laughs> I mean, most offices had internet, but we weren't using it. We didn't need it for what we did. Uh, it was a medical office. Um, and so <laughs> by the time I got home, I had an email from him oh, on, okay. the, on the dating platform, again, like wanting to do it again or reschedule. Or... <laughs> and I just ignored it. Yeah. It's like, I'm sure you're very nice, but also you're very weird. And no, thank you.
1: <laughs> so is that the most Canadian thing that's happened to you lately? Or do you have an official one?
0: Oh, us? yeah, no, we, we went. That was that was a, a small <laughs> look into my life uh, from probably 15 years ago now. That was, that, was, that was a long time ago. And it may have been the last time I dated a man. I'm not sure. Um, but what a wonderful segue. The most Canadian thing that's happened. I have a few... I actually I collected them and I don't. I guess. I okay. think go
1: with a third one.
0: Well, just I, given, I don't know
1: what they are. I was just <laughs> being unhelpful.
0: Given the time of year, because as we are recording this, it is late October, and as uh, you will be listening to it, dear listeners, it will be early November. So I guess what I will say is, um, the most Canadian thing I saw this week was probably a video on Twitter uh, made by a gentleman who goes by the name Brittle Star. Okay. His real name is Stuart Reynolds. Mm. Um, He's quite recognizable in Canada. I think he may have been the Canadian tire guy for a while, uh, which will make sense to Canadians. But he put up a video about Canadian Halloween that is very funny, very funny to me.
1: Is this the guy who did the video about American versus Canadian Thanksgiving? Yes. Okay Yes,
0: he does this kind of thing all the time. So his Canadian Halloween video, I think I retweeted him you can probably mm-hmm. still find it on my feed uh, is just is very funny. The concept of Canadian Halloween is very yep. very funny to me and and it's a very Canadian thing to know that Americans no one, no one else <laughs> yeah. in the world but Americans might think there is such a thing as Canadian Halloween. sure they invented Halloween and ours is different or something uh so it's a very self-aware Canadian thing to do and then in keeping (laughs) with that I had a I had a real Canadian versus American moment recently when I was uh in a roller skating class and one of the things that we do in every class is there's a question of the day there's like a check-in question and a check-out question the check-in question can be anything the check-out question is usually like what are you particularly happy about from class today? Like, what do you feel like you did well today in sure, class, sure. or what, yeah. like, what, what made you happy, or where do you feel like you made progress? Or it's always almost always skating related, That's but the nice. check-in checking question can be anything. And so <laughs> this time it was, what's your favorite Halloween candy? Okay. And we went around the circle, and a few people had a very unexpected answer. Like a lot of people said things like. Um, <sighs> Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, which in my opinion is the correct answer. Mm-hmm. Um, or like Kit Kat or, or some people even like candy corn or those Ugh. little pumpkin things that are also basically made of the same stuff as candy corn. But a few people no. in the circle said Rockets.
1: Mm, okay.
0: Now, this is a candy that, as far as I can tell, only exists at Halloween. Like, I <laughs> never see it in the store. You get a, you get a big bag of it. Uh, of, of little small packages. Canadians will know exactly what I'm talking about.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but Americans know them by another name. And we, <laughs> as we're going around the circle, the girl next to me said, what are rockets? I don't know what that is. Yeah. And I don't know what possessed me, but I turned to her and I said, well, Americans call them Smarties. And she went, oh, I was like, I didn't know she was American, but now I know she's American. <laughs> <laughs>
2: or I, has I, been it, somehow adulterated in her. it turned out days.
0: she was like that came up later we, yeah um we happened to be on the same bus on the way home and so <laughs> we got talking and she said like we that subject came back up and and she, she was like how did you know i was like i didn't know i just that's the only other name i know for them um and i guess i thought you might have heard of them as being called that but in canada they're always yeah. called the rockets uh stunned to discover that this is some people's favorite candy, these chalky little circles. Like, listen,
2: I'll
0: eat them. If you give me a roll of Rockets, I will absolutely eat them, but I will not seek them out. I will not buy them. Uh, I will not... Like, they're fine, but I would not... They're like a childhood nostalgia, like, oh, look, Rockets kind of thing for me. They're not, like, a favorite. I've just found that wild.
1: Well, when you buy the big variety packs here, sometimes they are the melon in the fruit salad if you will Mm -hmm. like what you're looking for are the strawberries that's the reeses yeah or you know the the other things that are a little bit more special but if you just you know a bunch of cantaloupe that's what your smarties are is there's the little um twisted twisty tie (laughs) and yeah (laughs)
0: yeah yeah they're exactly the same they just have a different Mm
1: -hmm. name yes because you guys already had smarties we already had smarties m&m variant
0: i assume i don't i mean i actually don't know If you asked me to guess were rockets developed first or were Smarties developed first Mm
2: -hmm.
0: in Canada, I would say rockets, because they seem weird and old timey in a way that Smarties don't. But it's also you may be right that we just already had a candy called Smarties, Mm -hmm. uh, which I think might also exist in Britain. A lot of candy that sort of comes off as Canadian is British. So. That's
1: that's the only way the names make sense to me. But I'm also going to, in this moment, refuse to do any research.
0: Absolutely, yeah, I'm not looking
1: this up. <laughs> um, but I will add, in case anyone from the Reese's parent corporation wants to sponsor us, very big fan of all of their project products. Absolutely, I like love take some Reese's five. Pieces. The outrageous, the, all of those <laughs> where they put the actual Reese's Pieces inside a candy bar. Oh, that's too much for that. me. That's mm.
0: too much for me. But well, I do love the peanut butter cups. Here. Yes, peanut butter cups always. Mm -hmm. Very fond of Reese's Pieces. And to this day, a Halloween tradition that I love, I don't get to do it every year because time, but I love (laughs) to uh, make popcorn, get some Reese's Pieces, put the Reese's Pieces Mm -hmm. in the popcorn, and watch E.T. Classic. Oh, the best.
1: I have also, I tried the new Reese's Cup with a potato chip in it, and I did not hate it but I don't Mm -hmm. think it's necessary. Like we can just go ahead and stick with the, the peanut butter and chocolate profile.
0: Yeah. I don't. Unnecessary. That's a good word. I don't, I don't, I don't like the idea. I can't say I don't like it because I haven't tried it, but I don't like the idea.
1: I will say though, that like chocolate and salty is a good combo. So, you know, a chocolate dipped potato chip, Mm -hmm. very sold. Um, As you mentioned, popcorn and chocolate. Good. combo. Yes.
0: I experienced that in Seattle one time. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had some time to kill. I was in Seattle. I was there for a thrilling adventure show, Mm -hmm. but I stayed the weekend because I'd never been to Seattle. So I thought, well, I'm here. I'll explore a bit. And then on the day I was leaving, I just like, I had some time to kill. Like I checked out of the hotel, but I had hours. And so I'd like left my suitcase at the hotel in their storage. And I was wandering around and I had so much time. So I went to the movies (laughs) Uh, and I saw uh Divergent. I didn't know what it was. I <laughs> Didn't know it was based on series, but it was just the thing that was starting, and I was of like, all "Okay, the sure, to fine." See out of nowhere, I saw Divergent, and i um, I got popcorn, and it was a mix of like normal popcorn and chocolate covered popcorn. Solid. and I had never that—that's a very American thing, as far as I can mm-hmm. tell. I had never encountered this before, and it was like this is good for like ten bites, and now I <laughs> am done. A little much. It's too much for me. Yeah, but it was fun. Okay, quick, um, what, quick
1: Canadian oh, versus American question before oh, we yes. segue. Do you have the big tins which are divided into multiple kinds of popcorn? Your cheese, your caramel, your classic buttered. Is that a thing?
0: Um, yeah, I think so. It's, um, I know there's like a company in the States that does that. There is there's a some, couple, yeah. Yeah, I don't, it's not something that I would routinely see in the store. Mm-hmm. but there's a company uh at least in ontario and it may ex- i don't spend a lot of time in shopping malls anymore right uh but when i did it was mostly in my youth uh when mm-hmm. i grew up for listeners who don't know i currently live in vancouver bc but i grew up in ontario in southern ontario outside toronto um and so at some point in my childhood our mall got a kiosk that was a popcorn <laughs> company called kernels Sure. And they had all the flavors, mm-hmm. like all different, and you could get anything. So certainly you can, there is flavored popcorn like that, that you can at least go and get from kernels. You could get like a tub of one kind or a couple of kinds, I think. And it's one of those things where it's like, there's a very particular smell when you get near <laughs> kernels because they are making all of the kinds of popcorn at the same time.
1: <laughs> and it assaults you with the giant wave you're, Like you're smell. smelling
0: popcorn, but also the combination of, I don't like, it's indescribable. But if you've ever like been within 50 feet of a, like, you know, when you're coming up near the Colonel's kiosk, it's a very it's like, it's like getting near a Cinnabon. Like you just know, you smell it and you're like, ah, the popcorn.
1: You become a bloodhound.
0: Yes. So uh, what is the most American thing that you have experienced recently?
1: Well, usually I have sort of a ha-ha, aren't America, and it's dumb, we're all going to die.
0: Oh, no, is this going to be sad? <laughs> <laughs> no, we're going to go
1: the other way. Oh,
0: good, okay.
1: Um, there was an article that came out right before we almost recorded previously. Uh, so now Don't it's a couple weeks old. <laughs> Californian children can now receive free books thanks to Dolly Parton.
0: Yay, Dolly! The
1: Imagination mm-hmm. Library... Uh, which is an organization that she sponsors that gives uh, books to preschool children up to five years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, Governor Gavin Newsom signed a bill into law here that will basically double. Uh, there's 2.4 additional million children eligible to participate.
0: Fantastic.
1: And according to the Dollywood Foundation Imagination Library, there are currently 2.2 total kids. They've mm-hmm. given out 191 million books. In their history yeah this is something that dolly's been doing for many years um
0: i think the most american part of that for me is that you had to make a law saying children could have books
1: well to get free books and it would be facilitated by the government they're not it's not like they were prohibited from getting books before
0: (laughs) no but it sounds very like we had to we had to legislate the ability for children To have books. I
1: do appreciate that. That are being
0: donated. Like the government's not paying for them. Dolly's paying for them.
1: Absolutely true. But Dolly wouldn't know where all the kids live without Santa Newsome. Of course. (laughs) To give out that information. Um, But the Imagination Library has been um, going since 1995. Mm -hmm. um, And they are currently distributing books in the U.S., Canada, Ireland, and the U.K. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, I just think this is a really great program. She just wants to send books to kids.
0: Dolly Parton is the only good billionaire. <laughs> right? Because she's not a billionaire. She should be. She should yeah. be. Like, she has earned billions of dollars. But mm-hmm. she keeps giving money away. So she's never actually been a billionaire. And that's why she's the only good one. Like, she understands yeah. that that's too much money for one person. <laughs> like, it's just too much money. Um, yeah. And yeah, her. she's very quiet about most of it. But her charitable giving is insane, like it's. Just, I mean, I it's wonderful. I don't think she should stop. But when you hear about the kinds of things that she does very quietly, you realize like there's yeah. a. I saw something go around on Twitter the other week where someone said uh, that it it's sort of a a strangely common experience mm-hmm. to say to someone like, "Oh, do you remember those like." fundraisers and public high school for for band uniforms oh, and yeah. that particularly in the south a, an awful lot of people will respond with oh dolly parton paid for ours that awesome. one of the things she does without any sort of fanfare without publicizing is she just for you know public high schools with uh, low-income populations she just does things Like, pay for the band uniform so the kids don't have to do a fundraiser. Like, she just pays for things for people. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, she's awesome. Um,
1: This new California based program, uh, free books will be mailed uh, starting in June of 2023. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if you are a California parent or legal guardian, you can register your child online, I think starting a couple weeks ago. So, right now, um, your child will receive one free book per month until their fifth birthday
0: question for you
1: what are the books
0: no what what about that is particularly american because the challenge is what's the most american thing that's happened so what about this is particularly american to you
1: i don't know that it's uniquely american per se okay it just is a amazing thing that's happening in america and i would say that dolly parton counts as like an american icon
2: absolutely i'm not
1: enough of a student of her work to say like the specific music or her lyrics or her persona, you know, is uniquely American. It just, she is, you know, if you had a top 10 list of American pop cultural icons, she's got to be on it at this point.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, I think she, her music is very much a product of who she is and where she grew up. And I mean, I, yeah, yeah I think her music is American. And see, that would be my uh, was, assertion, but I don't want to say. It was with... the book donation being American that confused me, I guess. yes, <laughs> Like the actual thing. Like, what, what about if, that is American other than the fact you had to legislate books for children
1: <laughs> Children are allowed to have books they're allowed to see the sky they're allowed to touch grass.
0: Yeah no it just seems like if Dolly <laughs> wanted to identify low-income children and send them books that that to me that should not be cause for legislation. That should be cause for let's open a registration system. So the fact that legislation was involved strikes me as very American. Like we have to make it okay for someone to get a thing for free.
1: Well, okay. I think maybe the better way to think of this then is California, the state government of California is partnering with the Dolly Parton Foundation and the Imagination Library yes. to facilitate her donation of books to children in California.
0: Which somehow involves making a law.
1: Well, I mean, I did see anytime story, the government law was made, Anytime the government does something, you need an official act. So, yeah, I don't know. You need an executive order or a piece of legislation or an act of something. Hmm.
0: All right. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it's
1: if nothing else, everything the government does has to be public record, which means it has to be written down. Sure. So yes. That's but that's different, than, that's different yeah. than legislation, is what yeah. I would Oh, no, I agree yeah. with you. But, yeah. Um,
0: okay. Cool.
1: So, I yeah, mean, perhaps... I love Dolly perhaps bending the rules on what is uniquely specifically American, but this okay. is a very American thing that happened since the last time we were recorded.
0: Okay. I'll accept that. I'll accept it. was a thing. It was a thing done by a very American person. I just don't yes. know that the act itself was particularly American. That's what was confusing me.
1: All right. Well then asterisk.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we love Dolly Parton. We love Dolly Parton so much that uh, her, Her 1985 hit, 9 to 5, has been my cell phone ring for a few years now. Solid. Yes. Which some people love and some people jump at every time.
1: (laughs) I'm rewatching the television program The Orville, which is one of, I think, the best space-based shows ever. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they made particular use of that show on an episode I recently rewatched in season two. Excellent. And, um, yeah, great song. Mm Mm-hmm. And she has a cameo in season three. So. Does she?
0: Oh, well, that'll encourage that. me to go back and watch it again. <laughs> I watched some of the Orville and then I lost track of it. Like, where is it on television? When is it on? I can't find it. So it's uh,
1: currently in the States, it's on Hulu and Disney+. Plus. Oh, um,
0: okay, so we'll have it on Disney then.
1: Presumably you'll have access to it at some point. I will say for anybody who maybe started watching that show, just a very quick aside, it is very, like, family guy funny in the first half of the first season. Mm-hmm. But then it sort of finds its own voice. Okay. So if if a person happened to watch the first few episodes and were like, this has a little bit too much Seth MacFarlane in it, the show does grow up and away from, like... Trying to think of how I want to phrase this. The comedy is used in a lot of places to, like, take up the empty space where just a raw, emotional, honest moment would happen. Mm -hmm. And so, like, okay, you don't need somebody calling somebody else a dick to, like, no, just let the moment land. There's a lot of really good actors on that show. If somebody's having an emotional experience, like they can just do that. And season three, they really found their stride, whatever they, <laughs> the turn of phrase you want to use. The, those episodes are excellent. I'm really looking forward to rewatching them the next yeah. couple of weeks.
0: Um, is it did it only get three seasons? Was it canceled?
1: It's so far only three, but it has not been canceled. It's oh, um, okay. So it was, possibilities. It was on Fox. It did two seasons. Um, and then it went specifically to Hulu and they mm-hmm. call it New Horizons is season three. Oh, okay. So I don't know what the season four will look like, but there was, um, I think because of the pandemic, they had to sort of shuffle around production and move money mm-hmm. around. And I don't know exactly what the deal is, but there... Yeah. I, it's an expensive show, so I get why it would be hard to um, justify, and for a streaming-only thing, I don't know how much it would boost your mm. streamer numbers, um, but it's just an incredibly excellent show at this mm. point.
0: Is it heavy on special effects?
1: Oh, very much so.
0: Oh, okay, because I, yeah. I think I saw some of the first season when it was airing on Fox, mm-hmm. and it's like i don't remember a ton of special effects like you'd have to build the set for the orville and then there are some very elaborate costumes and prosthetics
1: Uh, for the people playing non-human characters right that's what i'm thinking
0: of but then you you know theoretically as long as you're not changing the actor you build that once yeah (laughs) so yeah yeah um but if they're doing a ton of other special effects or
1: CGI than just that. Oh, yeah. There's space battles and all the exteriors. You know, the ship model. You know, it's not like Star Trek where they can point a camera at a thing. Like, (laughs) no, they want it to look awesome. Yeah. Um, So there's... It's probably one of the most effects-heavy shows if you consider number of shots. Because there's mm. Norm Macdonald was in the cast um, before he passed, and he played a completely CGI character. Mm. Um, so there's there's that's effects shots yeah, all sounds- over the place. It's like a big budget movie um, genre movie in terms of like the number of shots. I would speculate, okay. um, but they're doing real human dramatic stories. It's as good as any season of any Star Trek show. I will say. Cool. Um so just sneaking in a recommendation in our first (laughs) segment.
0: Yeah, save your other ones though, because that's that's a different segment. That wasn't even official
1: rec, it just snuck in there.
0: It was unofficial, unofficial recommendation.
1: Okay, for our actual main segment, what is our piece of quintessential Canadiana? Stevie, go. Uh,
0: Okay, well, first, I don't know if it's quintessential yet, because it's quite new. Okay. Uh, Because, yeah, definitely, uh, in previous segments, I have done some real iconic, (laughs) for better or for worse, The Littlest Hobo. Uh, Canadian, if you grew up in this country, when I did, you know The Littlest Hobo, you know Degrassi. Like, we've done some real quintessential stuff. Maybe someday we'll do Danger Bay. Danger Bay, friends. Remember Danger Bay? Um, but today we're going to talk about something much more modern, much more recent, in fact, still in production, still very much happening. (laughs) Uh, and that is a show on the CBC called Pretty Hard Cases. Okay. Um, so Pretty Hard Cases is a female-led odd couple buddy cop show. That's how it's built. (laughs) Um, it premiered on the CBC February 3rd, 2021, and it was originally a production of the cbc only i believe uh but as of season two it is now co-produced by amazon Freevee, which distributes it in the u.s so if you are one of our american listeners you can watch it and you don't even have to try to figure out how to get around the geo blocking on the cbc <laughs> gem app you can watch it on amazon Freevee, which i i don't think we have Freevee in canada um, it used
1: to be imdb tv and yeah they we rebranded that. it so yeah
0: much like mm-hmm. we don't have hulu Yeah. Um, So when someone says, oh, that's on Hulu, I'm like, well, okay. so then that could be on any streaming service in Canada or possibly even on network television. Because, for instance, when when the Mindy Project moved to Hulu in America, it continued to air on network television in (laughs) Canada.
1: So. Oh, licensing.
0: Who knows. Right. But so this is on freebie for the Americans. It's on the CBC for Canadians. It's also on Netflix. I think, in both countries. Mm -hmm. Uh, So if you're not into paying for it, you can watch it on CBC Gem in Canada (laughs) and there will be some commercials interspersed. If you are into, and by the way, if you're a Canadian and you're watching it on the CBC Gem, you you have already paid for it because that's our publicly funded public broadcaster. So don't feel bad. Uh, But if you're a Netflix subscriber, you can also watch it sans commercials on Netflix Canada and Netflix America. So lots of ways to find it. Uh, It was created by Tassie Cameron and Sherry White, who worked together on Rookie Blue for six years. So they had previous cop show experience. Cool. um, And they knew each other and they worked well together. But they wanted to create something that was sort of lighter in tone and female-led and um, more distinctly Canadian. Because Rookie Blue, like many of our Canadian shows, and this is not necessarily a criticism, but... Uh, in Canada, when we create content, we often have to create it with Americans in mind and the fact that they will chafe at anything too Canadian for unknown reasons, because it's not American and therefore wrong. Uh, yeah. So these, these women were um, setting out to create a Canadian show for Canadians with a more Canadian flavor, shall we say. <laughs> um so full disclosure i have not seen the whole show yet two seasons are out a third season is being made i am still in the middle of season one so (laughs) just caveats all over the place that there may be stuff that has happened that i don't know has happened yet uh there will be no real spoilers in this episode we're not (laughs) going to talk a lot about it um but i'm enjoying it enough that i wanted to bring it up and encourage other people um to watch it because it is not what i expected okay um, so originally the show was called Lady Dicks. Yep. Um,
1: that's correct. Keep my bit going.
0: I was, um, intrigued by the title, kind of like I, so I initially became aware of it as Lady Dicks. I saw some promo for it as Lady Dicks. Um, and it reminded me of Shits Creek in okay. that there's a very, a very Canadian thing to do. <laughs> is to title your show like this. So, like, in America, um, Americans will just straight-up name a show Jackass, and that's what it is. Like, it's pretty descriptive. Here are some jackasses being jackasses doing stupid (laughs) stuff. The Canadian approach is a little weirder and more subtle, which is we will take a show that is very wholesome and clean and we will give it like an edgy double entendre title because we think that that's what's going to make people watch it. Sure. But it's only like edgy for Canada. Like Lady (laughs) Dicks in the States, no one would think twice about that. I mean, like maybe it's not going to air on NBC, but it's absolutely going to air on IFC or something.
1: Edgy for Canada Um, would have been the name of this episode if we were still doing clever episode titles.
0: I mean, we can absolutely... Call it that. Um, so what happened to me with Shit's Creek was I heard the title and I was like, no, thank you, please. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I almost missed an absolute gem of a show. That show mm-hmm. was wonderful. I mean, the, the beginning of the first season is a little uneven, but once it hits its stride, yeah. like it kind of turns a corner and it just becomes the loveliest, most hilarious, wonderful show. And it's, it's very progressive. It's very inclusive. It's, uh, I love everything about it. I love everything about it. Um, past the first, like, I don't love the pilot. I don't love the initial setup. I don't love the fact that they felt they had to call it shit's Creek in a very obvious allusion to being up shit Creek without a paddle. Although I suppose that family is, is, you know, like it makes sense, but yeah. yeah, it's just sort of like when you go sort of, not dirty, exactly. but When you go sort of like edgy with the title, it tends to turn me off.
1: Crass is the word that I would use.
0: Yes, exactly the word I was looking for. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. So, and I expect a crass show yeah. and that's not my humor. Yeah. So that had happened to me with Shit's Creek and it wasn't until it was probably like in its fourth season or something <laughs> and it was getting so much love. I was like, all right, I will watch this thing even though I absolutely hate the title. <laughs> and I watched it and loved it and I didn't want to make that mistake again with Lady Dix mm-hmm. so I thought okay I bet this is a shits Creek situation <laughs> um, or I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt that it is a shits Creek situation so I made a note to check out the show called Lady Dicks, and then I could not find it
2: mm.
0: you know because I like I do keep an eye on the industry and what's coming up like I'm usually aware of stuff before it premieres and this was a case where, like, when it did come out, I couldn't find it. It was like, what happened to Lady Dick's? I can't <laughs> And it was a while before, because I don't watch a lot of, like, actual television anymore. I do most yeah. stuff on streaming. And I think I was watching something else on the CBC Gem app, like, probably the Great Canadian Baking Show or something, which we should talk about sometime. Uh, <laughs> but I saw a promo for it under the name Pretty Hard Cases. And it dawned, I was like, oh, oh, that's the thing. That I've been trying to find, there it is, um, because it just. I I had to look up why the title got changed. Honestly, mm-hmm. because it struck me as very weird. Because usually that doesn't happen, and there's like, a public once, scandal of some kind, which there yeah. haven't been.
1: Not once something's been announced and it's like in production. Like, yeah, it's really rare for title to change at that point.
0: Or for the show to get buried and not happen, which yeah. it also seemed like had maybe, maybe happened. Um, but it turned out, no, they just renamed it. And then also just their production schedule had been delayed by COVID. Sure. So it didn't come out when it was supposed to. And when it did come out, it had a different title. And so it was hard to find. Uh, and so if anyone else has missed it, <laughs> it's not called Lady Dicks anymore. It's called Pretty Hard Cases. Um, so it's the basic premise is uh, it follows two very different women in their 40s. They're both police officers. They're both detectives. They work on different squads. Mm. And they're aware of each other, but they don't know each other. They are sort of the old tropey, like super competent (laughs) professionally, but their personal lives are a little messed up. And they come together when they uh, accidentally find themselves on the same case that they've been without knowing it. They have both been pursuing the same uh, guy, I guess, for lack of a better, (laughs) like the same, same organization because it turns out to be bigger than this one guy but they basically they've been looking at the same case from two different angles without realizing that they are looking at the same case so one of them is on the drug squad and one of them is on the guns and gang squad Mm -hmm. which actually does seem to be a thing in toronto where this is set i had to look up like is there an actual do we have a thing that we call the guns and gang squad that sounds made up for a comedy television show no we seem to it seems to be that's what they call it um so they they meet up at a at a takedown by accident like they're both trying to take this guy down and they run and then of course it goes a little bit you know strange because whose case is it and who's Uh gonna who gets this who gets the arrest like who gets the collar uh and this causes them to have to team up because he he gets away (laughs) so now they have to work together and drive each other bonkers in that sort of odd couple setup. So that's going in that's that's what I'm expecting, right? I'm expecting like Yeah. A, an odd couple style um lethal weapon maybe, but with sure. ladies yeah. kind of a show. And it is so much more than that. Um and I was really surprised. I expected it to be a half hour show. It's not. It's an hour. Right away. Weird. Um And it's a real funny mix of like police procedural, buddy comedy, and socially aware drama. It's a very, very strange alchemy that like should not work, but it totally does. (laughs) Um, And it also feels very Canadian, but not in that old, like, oh, this show is so Canadian that we often (laughs) hear within and outside of the country. Um, But it just has a very like, There's a real earnestness about it. Yeah. But it's not sanguine. And it really sort of hits a very sweet spot that feels very much like us, or at least who we aspire to be as a people in this country. Um, So I I found that really um, unusual and not what I expected. I thought I was going to get more of a broad comedy. And what I actually got was more of a dramedy (laughs) That is very socially aware of the fact that it is a police procedural, partly, in a world where that is maybe becoming unpopular. Uh, And rightly so. Yeah. So um, I do think from, you know, the half of season one that i have (laughs) seen, that if you're going to make a police procedural in our current political and social climate, this is how you do it. Um they they actually did I, I read a bunch of articles with like interviews with the creators and the actors. And, um and they it turns out they really did rethink some things during their COVID delay because that happened around the time that George Floyd was murdered. Yeah. And even though that happened in America, it hit the world stage. We all know about it. Yeah. And that sort of caused them to stop and and rethink and go back and they looked back at their scripts and they did a lot of rewriting. Um, and they rejigged the tone of the show quite a bit. So it was going to be more, probably more lethal weapony, like more action-y, more okay. like takedowns and punching and gun pulling and more like freeze police. <laughs> um, and it, it has, they made it a little more sort of thoughtful and thought provoking and less action figure And I, I think that that um, is probably a very good thing yeah uh it's and they and some of it's very subtle too which i enjoy like they don't bash you over the head with it all of the time but there are things like um one of the characters has a teenage son he's like 17 he's in high school and he walks around wearing a t-shirt that says defund the police
1: yeah and she just lets
0: him she just lets him do it like it's not even in the parts that it's not even commented on but she's just like you know okay like she's she's willing to admit they're both willing to admit that there are problems with the police force. Um, so we focus on these two women who I just now realized I really have not introduced at all <laughs> who our leads are. I got I got excited about other things about the show. That's um, all right. So we have Detective Samantha Wazowski um, and Detective Kelly Duff.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And they are played by Meredith McNeil and Adrian Seymour, respectively. Meredith McNeil uh, will be known in Canada. I don't know how much work she's done outside America. I did not do it outside Canada. I did not do a deep dive into her filmography, so I do not know if Americans even know who she is. Um, yeah. you would know her if you're Canadian. You will know her primarily, I think, from the Baroness von Sketch show. She's one of those five women. Um, Adrian Seymour is American. Which
1: dun, dun, um, dun.
0: well, I was I was surprised because it's not a copro. <laughs> yeah. like the show is it's not a copro, or it wasn't. It is now, but it was not a copro when it was developed. Um, and it threw me because um, I'll talk a little bit about where people will know her from in a second. But I'm I'm holding back on that only because when I saw her, she was very familiar to me, but I was really having trouble placing her.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And it was because I was expect I didn't know her name, like, outside of uh, seeing it on the credits for this show. She's, she's to me, she's a that lady, right? Like, she's an <laughs> actor that you see and you recognize, but you don't necessarily remember their name. With, with apologies to Adrian, if she happens to hear this. I know your name now. <laughs> um, but I definitely, I was sure I'd seen her in other things, but I was trying to place her in Canadian television, and that was why I couldn't find her. Sure. Because I had I bothered to look at her IMDb yet at this point? No, of course not. I was using my memory because, <laughs> sure, why not? My brain is infallible. Um, clearly. <laughs> so, clearly. <laughs> clearly.
1: Another great episode title.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I was, uh, I was racking my Canadian brain about my Canadian television viewing <laughs> and trying to figure out where I knew this lady from, and I couldn't do it. So finally, I went on IMDb, and I looked her up. And was shocked to discover she is the only American in the cast, <laughs> um, and she is fully an American. Like she's not a dual citizen, she's not someone who was like born here but raised there, or born there but raised here. You know, she's not someone who does Canadian television work outside of this show. She's just fully, fully an American actress, and uh, you will know her most likely from Orange is the New Black.
2: Mm-hmm. She
0: played Cindy also known as Black Cindy, on Orange is the New Black, because, as you have probably guessed, she is a Black woman, and on Orange is the New Black, there was another character named Cindy who was white. And so this was how they differentiated, for some reason. (laughs) White Cindy, Black Cindy.
1: That's a problematic uh, place to to
0: I mean, they're they're in prison, Prison. so (laughs) who knows, right? Uh, So that's probably what she's best known for. Now, she's done a bunch of other work, uh, she has an impressive filmography that's by no means is Orange is the New Black, uh, her only prior credit, but it is probably what she's most recognizable from, especially right now, because it's so recent. Yeah. Um, now I have, I have lots of questions about this that I just, <laughs> and they're just, they're just basic curiosity. Um, yeah. Yeah. Why was an American interested in doing a fully Canadian show that involved moving to Canada? that is not a co-production that probably doesn't pay as well as the work she could get in the States. Why? Uh, and again, I, I mean, absolutely no offense, but why did they not find a Canadian actress to play the role? Surely we have black actresses in Canada who could pull this off and who are citizens. Yeah. And so that's just kind of a question that I have in my brain. I, I, I don't, um, I mean, she's wonderful in the role. She's perfect for it possibly they did look around and she did the best job i mean that that is what i choose to believe because that is the most fair thing um because i I do think it's very deliberate that we have a white woman and a black woman oh absolutely i I, I believe the characters were written and cast that way specifically um but i just part of me is like really we didn't we didn't have a black actress of our own (laughs) Okay. But maybe we didn't have one who like was seen for this and nailed it because we also know how unfair audition processes are and that not everybody gets seen for the role, whether or not they're suitable, blah, blah, blah. Or maybe it was an offer. I don't know. I don't know. I do know that when they were developing the show, her name came up as like, wouldn't it be great if we could get someone like her and also someone like Meredith McNeil? And then they actually (laughs) got those actresses. So it's also very possible that they just like took a flyer. Like, yeah, well, these two would be perfect. Let's offer it to them and see what happens. Like if they say no, then we'll hold auditions like. Yeah, anyway, but it's just it's it's an unusual thing to find an American actor on what is otherwise a purely Canadian show. Like it's weird nothing wrong with it but it's weird because typically americans look down on canadian television so like why why are you here doing it which is not to say that adrian c moore looks down on us clearly she doesn't she's here working on our show and doing yeah. a fantastic job uh, but it's it's unusual to be given that chance as a canadian show um, which is also just very canadian of us to assume that like the americans will assume we're not good enough <laughs> So there's there's a lot of layers that, like, the nation of Canada needs to work out in collective therapy, probably.
1: Yeah, there's a real onion here.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But anyway, it was surprising because as I looked up um, the other actors, because then I thought, oh, maybe it's just, like, a a more international cast than I'm aware of. Or maybe, like, half the cast is American or who knows. But no, pretty much everyone else, (laughs) they're all from here. They're all from Canada. They're all, you know, they're all living here so and and you know either born here or came here and have made this their home permanently like yeah. yes so uh the the other most recognizable person in the cast probably is karen robinson sure yeah of Shits creek fame <laughs> speaking of <laughs> yes uh delighted to see her she plays their boss very fun yeah uh who at one point just Like she has that and she did this on Shit's Creek as well. And I love this about her. And it's a real like fine line skill thing to walk where you have like that authoritative presence of the boss and the don't screw with me and don't like no
1: nonsense. Yeah.
0: Yes. Very no nonsense. And then, but also there's a point where like she has uh, like a carrier on and she's got like this ridiculous sick dog that oh, no. she's like carrying around this like ancient dog that couldn't be left alone Aww. so she's she's walking around being very no-nonsense but also wearing like a dog carrier with a very funny looking dog strapped into it and somehow pulling it off and that is a real skill sure. i really enjoyed um, Oh man,
1: that's so funny
0: the the first season mostly follows the same case um, while well, they try to solve this drug-slash-gun empire. Yeah, it's like a drug smuggling on. sort yes. of
1: crew. They're getting stuff uh, from over the border.
0: From Yeah, coming up from Detroit. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what's interesting is we also spend a fair amount of time with the so-called criminals, mm-hmm. because this has been a family business, Yeah, and the member of the family who was running the business uh, has been taken out, and so his uh, wife, -wife ex-wife,
1: uh-huh,
0: is uh, not clear in the moment if their wife, ex-wife, you know, still married, common law, whatever. But his his (laughs) his woman is now female domestic partner (laughs) is running it, and is very, very much like the brains of the operation and pulling her teenage daughter
2: mm mm-hmm.
0: into this at first apparently unwillingly but as time goes on she seems to be more and more of a willing participant <laughs> and i have not yet gotten to the resolution of this so that is where i will stop um, yeah
1: i'm plot-wise. gonna not add any plot details because i watched the first episode the premiere and then Mm -hmm. the season finale of season one assuming that you would want to talk about the whole arc and i was like well i don't want to spend the time to watch all 10 episodes so i know how it ends
0: (laughs) i wanted to watch all 10 episodes and i ran out of time
1: that's okay um but i'd also (laughs) like to shout out the the villainess we're referring to is played by tara strong Mm -hmm. who people might recognize as the voice of harley quinn from a million different shows and um yes video games and things she is an absolute legend in both live action and in animation mm-hmm. she has as of the last time i wrote my notes a couple weeks ago 633 imdb credits wow count them. 630
0: <laughs> <laughs> i was going to confirm that that was still true but for some reason imdb is taking a very long time to load at this moment <laughs>
2: So as I clicked on her, I'm
0: still waiting to find out if that number remains accurate. Um, yeah, she's also, I believe she's like one of the more uh, recognizable My Little Pony voices or something. She's, she's, yeah. If, yeah.
1: if Even if you don't know the name, you 100% know something she has done because she's done everything and yeah. incredibly prolific talent. Um, she's uh, probably the best known name for... Um, people in the states of the. She's not main cast um, for the the squad of heroes, but I think she's main cast for the first season.
0: Yeah, she's. Uh, I think she's a series regular in the first yeah. season. Um, she uh, does still have six hundred and thirty three credits. <laughs> Correct. So that it has not gone up, but obviously also has not gone down. <laughs>
1: Um, I also recognized, um, Ben Bass, who I think he's just in a subsequent season, but he's, was a big part of rookie blue.
0: Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Other, uh, Dean McDermott is a name that Canadians will probably know. He's, uh, he plays one of the other detectives. And although I have not yet encountered her in, um, the seasons, the season that I've watched, cause I think she comes in in season two, but again, I'm for fine. Canadians, uh, the great Sonia Smits shows up. For so far, 10 episodes. Oh, yeah. Uh, As Judy Wazowski, who would be Detective Samantha Wazowski's mom.
1: That's what I was going to say. She's got a distinctive last name. So I wonder if that gives us a clue.
0: Oh, she's clearly playing the mom of one of the leads. Yeah. 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 Um, But Sonia Smith's uh, extremely well known in Canada. Uh, Well known, particularly, probably for traders. We had a show for a while called Traders, all about like stock market people. Mm. And she was one of the leads on that. Um, yeah, I, I, like many Canadian shows, especially, you can also often tell whether they are from Vancouver or Toronto by the actors that they use. <laughs> so this is a Toronto shot show. Yeah. So you, you will see, if, if you're an aficionado of Canadian television, you will see people you recognize, um, like Sonia Smith, or like high-profile Ontario actors <laughs> popping up all over the place. Um, yeah, I've just, I was very impressed by this show because I think, you know, for decades, police procedurals have been a staple of television. Absolutely. And they have largely until recently by the wider public, not been questioned. I think certainly yeah. there are people who have always questioned them and we're right to do so. Um, <laughs> but a lot of us have been watching these for decades without necessarily knowing that they are propaganda. The police force, also known as propaganda, and uh-huh. not necessarily questioning why it is that the police are always the good guys, yeah, no matter what, and that you know, even when they use too much force, even when it's, like somehow these shows always find a way to justify that. So, I think what's interesting to me about this show is that it seems to be working hard to not do that very much so. Um, there's a moment in I think I believe it's the pilot, it might be the second episode, but I believe it's the pilot. There's a scene where um, they go uh, on a raid to a, a drug house and a child answers the door. And Detective Kelly Duff, Adrian Seymour, um, convinces all of the armed police officers to back the hell off and let her deal with it. And she they do not want to let her do it. Yeah. Um, but she manages to show them she, she manages to convince them and then manages to show them by doing it that that is not the way to deal with this. And especially, like, there's a child here. It's inevitable if they go in there with guns that someone, probably this child, is going to get hurt. We yeah. don't... There are other kids in here, maybe. Like, we don't know. And so she um and this you know this poor kid has basically been told like just don't let anyone in here do whatever you need to do to not let anyone in. and he's like 11 years old or something at most oh, i thought he was like seven or eight he's like he pretty little
1: very young yeah
0: um and so she you know sort of pulls up a chair on the porch with the screen door still closed <laughs> between them and she's like is this okay i'm just gonna sit here and talk to you and she just sort of very calmly talks to him um, until she can get him to open the door and come out of there. And she diffuses the situation uh, with words only and never, never pulls a weapon. In fact, I think she takes it off and hands it to someone else. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm unarmed. I'm just going to... And, and she does it purely uh, verbally. And no violence ensues. Nothing bad happens. Um, and it's... I mean, that's what a lot of policing could be or a lot of investigating (laughs) could be if people just paused and took a second, like before you rush in here with a bunch of weapons, why don't we try another way?
1: Yeah. She, she deescalates, which is a term that American police don't know. And then (laughs) negotiates a peaceful surrender. And like that, that was one of, I think two moments that really stood out to me in the premiere. And like the, (laughs) From from a from a standpoint of like the morbid humor that one must approach the news these days, like mm-hmm. it was kind of hilarious to me that that moment would happen. You know, trying oh. to imagine it in a pardon me, trying to imagine it in an American show, oh. like that that would be a moment in a in an American show, like a police officer would try that, and then the kid would shoot them to demonstrate that that method doesn't work. Yes, like, I don't that would know that it how could that happen. Would work. Yeah. I don't know that
0: it could happen. It I, it absolutely rings true on a Canadian show.
1: Yeah, and I I love that. I yeah. loved seeing that, and I was like, can we show this to everyone? <laughs> um, but I it I thought it really um, sort of meshed in theme with a conversation um, that the two leads that Samantha. I and bet Kelly you're going to say
0: exactly what my next point was.
1: Can I say it, or do you want to say? it? Yeah, no, go for it. I okay. want to know if it's the same. Um, they have a conversation, and part of it is. Um, kelly says to samantha you're law and order i'm servant protect
2: and yes. i found I that i mean that's really not
0: that that was the point um yeah yes actually what happens is samantha says aren't you law and order mm-hmm. and kelly says no i'm servant protect yeah and that's a very I think the fact that the conversation happens the opposite way that you described is actually quite. Funny yeah, maybe I have it wrong. Because it's the assumption yeah. that well, we're we're the law, we're law and order. Yeah. And her, the reminder that well. Yeah. No, actually, like that's not we say serve and protect. You know, like you see that written on police cars. Yeah. Sometimes and to here, serve and protect. Now, yeah. do they? No. Um, it's also particularly. Uh, Resident in Canada because we had a show for a long time called to serve and protect. And it was basically a Canadian version of cops. Mm. Um, It was a reality show where, (laughs) where, you know, cameras followed police officers around And I know about it. I never actually watched it, but I know about it because when I worked, this is, this is where my ridiculously long resume of random jobs becomes (laughs) useful. I worked for a closed captioning firm for a while. Right, and I right, mostly yeah. did, um, I worked, uh, I did like subtitling for DVD releases, and I, but a lot of what I did was transcription and verbatimization. Um, and one of the shows that I transcribed a lot was To Serve and Protect. Yeah. Um, and watching that was kind of an education in how the police force works yeah. and what some of the stuff they deal with. But also, again, it was copaganda because it's called to serve and protect and we're following the police officers, not the criminals. And everything is from the cop's point of view. Yeah. Um, But that is what we're told in Canada. The police are supposed to, at least if you're, you know, like a white person, you're told (laughs) that the police are supposed to serve and protect, uh, which they don't necessarily do. I mean, I am not here to defend Canadian police. Um, In reality, as, as a, not even a force, because of course, multiple police forces, but, um, you know, the RCMP was specifically developed to protect the white people from the indigenous people, and their mission yeah. was very much killing indigenous people, and, and that legacy is still a problem in the present day in the way that they treat particularly the indigenous folks uh, on this land. So it's not to say that Canadian police are so great. Uh, now, we are not dealing with the RCMP here. We yeah. are dealing with the Toronto Police Force. Um, and I am and I believe that would be municipal. We also have, uh, Ontario is also, I think, the only province still that has its own provincial police force. So there's the mm. Ontario Provincial Police, the OPP. Um, and then there's, like, the Toronto Police, which I believe is who we're dealing with here. So that's a couple layers down from the RCMP. They're not federal. <laughs> but just just to say, like police shows are maybe still problematic. I yeah. but I appreciate what this one is doing. I think you know there are still human beings who are police officers. There are still stories that can be told there and it is very good narrative content in a lot of ways. Like yeah. you know, it's the although they don't happen this way in life. <laughs> crimes make for good narrative because they ha- often have sort of a clear beginning, middle and end point. Uh-huh. You can tell a very exciting gripping story around them. I understand why we gravitate to these. What I appreciate about what this show is doing is that they are not afraid to explore the problems within that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think there's built-in stakes for your cop, doctor, lawyer type shows. Yes. That's why they're sort of the low-hanging fruit of network television. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, people's lives are on the line. What could be more compelling than that? (laughs) You know, if if your goal is to just tell a story about like blue collar municipal workers, like mm-hmm. who are you going to choose? Cops, firefighters, utility workers like, oh, I got to climb up a pole today. That's the whole episode <laughs> is fixing the power lines. And like that could be dramatic if there's a storm and you have to like restore power to a big yeah, neighborhood sure. or something. Or if
0: you do it wrong and electrocute yourself. that's very <laughs> sure. dramatic. But now we're on a medical drama. Yeah, exactly. so, yeah. But,
1: you know, try to imagine, you know a parks and rec or a law and order focused around municipal utilities. I think that's a real tough sell.
0: Well, I mean, I know, uh, in when Brooklyn nine, nine was going into its last season, which also happened after George Uh Floyd was murdered. Uh, there was sort of talk on the internet of like, what if they just turned it into a post office? Like what if season seven or eight or whatever that season was, it's just suddenly they're all postal workers and we don't address it. Uh Um, which was you know a fun fantasy but i do think um that brooklyn Nine Nine did some very important stuff in their final season i think they started to explore and they yeah. were that was a pure comedy right like that show yeah. was not meant to be, it was meant to be a comedy it was very silly in a lot of ways
1: yeah comedy um, with, first cop show second
0: yeah and like silly with heart but silly yeah. um, but i think i mean i know that in that space between seasons Mike sure did some like soul-searching and they all kind of did and they they came back with a season that sh- you know showed where the characters were with what they had realized their jobs really were and so we had yeah. Rosa Diaz quitting the force we had you know like we had people questioning their life choices and career choices and I think it was important that they tried to do that they didn't just yeah proceed with let's do a silly cop show because they realized that the, the climate had changed. Um, and they, you know, they were like seven years into the show that they were, but I think they, they really tried to, um, to deal with it and, and do the best job they could in that final season of like, well, let's re-examine this. Like, let's yeah. have our characters, like we will re-examine the show and what we're saying, and we will have our characters re-examined their their lives.
1: And I would be really curious to talk to Shore and Dan Gore and the other, you know, producer writer mm-hmm. types about if if you didn't know this was the last season and you had like, oh, we're gonna go through ten or twelve, yeah. like what's your plan for these characters in that context? Because I think it's it's an easier thing to like take big swings at reevaluating the characters and their lives when you yeah. only have the one season left. But if you want to continue to tell the show, like maybe you go the route, like a lot of us talked about on Twitter of like, okay, let's turn them into like a PI firm. And so they can still investigate crimes and be silly, but they yeah. won't have to be institutional in the same way. Or you do like the post office move or something else where you, you know, try I mean, to I get think, away from that. Obviously that's a, it's a very silly idea. Yeah. I think no the, the, po- actually the post do.
0: office move was, was always a silly fantasy. Yeah. Um,
1: but I, I wonder what, if they'd been in a position to try to to like sketch out the next three seasons, what is, what are the choices you make in that context?
0: Um, I think one, just, I mean, just spitballing here since that show is over. But I think one option that I didn't see considered very often was, you know, at that point when you're, you're going into like your eighth season of a show. Yeah. Um, we love all of those characters. We don't need them all to be in the same workplace anymore. That's fair. Yeah. Like there wasn't necessarily a need for them to set up a PI firm and continue to work. Like it would have been interesting to see what those reevaluations of their lives did to each of those characters and whether, you know, who chooses to leave the force and who doesn't, or do they all leave the force and what do they do next? And there's no reason that they don't still remain friends and in touch and in each other's lives And you can find story ways to do that that don't necessarily involve them all setting up a business together so i did i mean i understand why (laughs) that is sort of the the place people's brains went but i thought part of what was so interesting was like we saw rosa leave the force but then she was still around yeah um and there were and they brought gina back for a bit you know (laughs) even though chelsea had left the show prior um but i think there were ways to like re-examine what do they like does captain holt retire and go have a nice life with kevin and what does that look like and what like we could follow and also maybe they don't all stay together in the absence of that workplace anymore maybe part of letting go of that part of your life is sort of letting go of those people that doesn't mean the viewer doesn't visit in with everybody so i think there were a multitude of ways that could have been handled if they'd had more seasons it was just they already knew they didn't but it was sort of like we can't come back and do what we've been doing yeah business
1: as usual would not have worked on that show
0: yeah we can't do that we can't do that given what's gone on in the world so what do we do and how do we deal with that for for one last season because obviously whatever plan we had for how this was going to end is (laughs) no longer appropriate yeah um, so I, I think where pretty hard cases had an advantage is that that happened as they were going into production, not when so they had the opportunity to rethink and rejig before they shot anything before anything aired. And I think what they've ended up with is a much more thoughtful show than they otherwise might have. I think the original idea would have been fun. I think lady Dicks would have been fun. certainly. But I also think that it might have been very problematic fun if they had just gone ahead and I think yeah. um what they what they've tried to do is um, is really interesting and appropriate and it's like let's see how we tell these stories over because they're now going into their third season like let's see how we tell these stories over time and how we deal with a much trickier view of the police force yeah and you know? I how think they we do this?
1: they found ways to make that complexity the sort of social complexity more Compelling narratively. Exactly. Yeah. It does give you opportunities for internal drama, you know, between police officers. And, Mm -hmm. you know, like shows like Law and Order were really good. At giving you those, you know, I always think of the first season, especially because Chris Noth and George Linzo, used to talk about the issues mm-hmm. of the day in the cases they were investigating. And so, ripped like, from the headlines. Ripped from the headlines. But you knew where these two men stood on, you know, mm-hmm. whatever it was, death penalty, abortion, whatever thing they're talking sure. about. And so I think that there's an opportunity for that in any kind of cop show where you don't have to have the heroes <laughs> be yeah. monolithic. And I mm-hmm. think a show like this that is really like central to the show is we're going to dive into what our jobs mean.
0: Yeah. And I think uh, that is something that law and order will never do.
1: Not on the cop side. I think they talk about legal ethics from time to time, but it always, I mean, Dick Wolf, his goal is to make, you know, a fairly simple view of these things happen.
0: (laughs) Uh, Well, yes and no, because I mean, so Dick Wolf is pretty, police john oliver did a whole segment on law and order recently that's what i was just thinking about about dick wolf and and showed some footage of dick wolf and dick wolf is never uh going to stop making (laughs) propaganda yes and he's made that very clear he has no interest in re-examining the motives of the police forces (laughs) so Uh, uh. that's gonna like law and order is gonna be what it's gonna be i do think um they I mean that show was always a fantasy version of law and order uh things don't get solved in our court cases don't move that fast most (laughs) things are pled out you usually don't go to court um but they i mean part of the segment that oliver did was stunning because he talked about how much cops actual cops look at law and order to learn things about their own jobs that they're not trained in which is horrifying yeah um and also something that came up with regard to the the first and i believe still most successful spinoff of law and order svu Mm -hmm.
2: um
0: was how how much of a fantasy svu is in that olivia benson pretty much always catches the rapist and gets him punished
1: yeah, the case closure rate, like, I think, that is what John talked a lot about on the show. Yeah,
0: and that those, that's not, there is a real SVU unit, and it is not like this at all. Yeah. And that, you know, he talked about real life situations where, you know, people couldn't believe how they were treated, because yeah. Olivia Benson would never let that happen. It's like, <laughs> well, no, of course she wouldn't, but Olivia Benson is fictional. <laughs> she does not work here. Yeah, she's not real. And her unit is not how the real unit works at all. That is absolutely propaganda and fantasy. Um, But Dick Wolf has made it very clear he has no interest in changing that and no interest in reexamining policing at all. Um, So, you know, I suppose that's his right for better or for worse.
1: It seems like that's what people want. Those shows continue to be incredibly lucrative. As yeah, so we talked about previously, the Dick Wolf Cinematic Universe has like 15 shows over yeah. the past 30 years. So. Yes, because
0: he's also like into firefighters and stuff now, like yeah, Chicago Fire, Chicago, Chicago Medge. One. Yeah, mm-hmm. he, he he ran out of New York situations <laughs> and he moved to Chicago. Well, they saturated the more.
1: market. So yeah. eventually there'll be a Dick Wolf local franchise in every major U.S. city.
0: I assume so, yeah.
1: Houston and...
0: <laughs> I mean, there was a lot long- order los angeles for a while that failed so
1: yep there um, was also a law and order london that ran i think six or seven seasons Yeah, was, but that one didn't
0: fail yeah, that but isn't succeeded.
1: considered part of the dick wolf universe which i think is funny
0: well and also i think partly because it, it really does function very differently over there like i have seen it i've seen a couple mm-hmm. of episodes of the london one and it's like oh, yeah, yeah this is just a british cop show <laughs> i watched all of it differently
1: yeah. And the first season, there's a couple of. Um, it's kind of like the U.S. Office, where the first episode of the U.S. Mm-hmm. Office is the first episode of the British Office. Yeah, just sort of it repainted. Becomes its own. And there are a couple of episodes in the Law and Order: London season one that are repainted Law and Order episodes. Um, it's it's really funny to like yeah. see them sort of try to crowbar the <laughs> CPS and Scotland yeah. Yard into those scripts
0: well because there are just things about policing in Britain in Britain that just are so different like yeah British cops don't carry weapons so immediately a lot of the like chase scenes and and stuff that you have have to be done differently you can't have yeah a tense standoff with guns pointed at each other because British police officers don't carry guns. Well,
1: now like Um, they can't read people, Miranda, (laughs) like the rights are very different. The responsibilities Uh, of the prosecutors are different.
0: (laughs) They're well, they're the the rights are actually similar, but they're worded differently, but you do still have the right to uh, a lawyer and you do still have the right to remain silent, Mm -hmm. but it, it is a little bit, um, but for my, it's, it's a little bit turned around because it's like, Uh, it may harm your defense if you neglect to mention when interviewed, something you later rely on in court. So like you have the right to remain silent, but if you don't tell us things and they try to use them in court, it may harm your defense. And that's kind of a weird way to phrase that. Yeah. Um, I was thinking
1: specifically of like script adaptation. Like you can't take big chunks. Yeah. And that's what they kind of tried to do.
0: That needs to be reworked because uh, when you watch British police shows when they do have to like go on a raid or something, they have to go down to the armory (laughs) and sign out their guns and check them. And people are licensed to use different things. And it's, and it's, everything's very much accounted for in a different way. And it's, they're not walking around with guns on their hips. Like they just don't have personal firearms. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a lot, a lot about translating a show from America to Britain, uh, specifically for a cop show becomes very strange. Yeah, because it's like, oh, oh, you mean they don't? What do you mean they don't have guns?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, how are we going to deal with that? Yeah. We can't have a shootout.
1: <laughs> but know? for for somebody who is interested in adapting things to various forms, you know, like my talk about like, oh, a novel does this and the movie version mm-hmm. does that. Looking at almost the exact same episode of television, but in a whole other country, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah, it, was, it was, I found it a very interesting exercise
0: it's yeah it's wild it's wild, and it i mean it's a little more straightforward with something like the office yeah um and then one of the strangest things i ever saw was um and we'll wrap this up soon and this is completely <laughs> off the topic of policing but it just in in terms of like adaptations of britain to america or america to britain one of the funniest things or strangest experiences i ever had i think I was probably still a teenager and i was watching uh probably A&E like back when it really was arts and entertainment <laughs> and and I'm watching this british sitcom um and I'm realizing I know every line before the actors say it Ooh. word for word like Déjà I know vu. exactly what the the set is very familiar everything about this is very familiar and I know all the lines what is happening <laughs> and then I realized I am watching the pilot of Who's the Boss. Huh. That's what this is. Interesting. Word for word, the pilot of Who's the Boss, but in Britain. And it has the the name of the show is different. It's not called Who's the Boss. I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> who may moment. the boss be? <laughs> no, but it's something like... Pray
1: tell, who may the supervisor be?
0: <laughs> it's like it has a completely um, different bit. which is what's weird. Yeah. Um, actually, I'm going to google it really quickly because it's going to it's going to bug me. But uh, who's the it's called the upper hand.
1: The upper hand. Okay. So yep. I
0: had I like I had watched the credits and it was called the upper hand. Wow, 90 and, to
1: 96, 94 episodes.
0: Yeah. So they But it was, it's also the first time that I had seen, because more commonly what would happen is a British show would get adapted for American television. Mm -hmm. This was the first time I'd ever seen an American show get adapted for British television. And I knew that's what was happening because clearly this had been made recently. And yet, Who's the Boss
2: had
0: had existed since like 1984 or something. Um, So it was just, it was a wild experience because it took a while to figure out. Like, I couldn't understand why I knew all of the lines word for word. Like, exactly. And it's not like I had what like weird, obsessively weird watched the pilot of who's the boss, but it's just I knew exactly what everyone was going to say before. The, and then they would say it and be like, what is this? I have, I know I've never seen this before. But why do I know it? And then that realization of what it was was just wild. But that's another thing oh where, like, gosh. I mean, the class system in England is different. Very but. Much so. Uh, but, it, and in fact, in some ways it actually works better there huh. to have this housekeeper situ- like, it's m- more scandalous to maybe be sleeping with your housekeeper in Britain. I think than it is in America
1: Potentially because I don't
0: mean- of the class thing, but it just, I don't know. It just struck me as, as wild. It's a very weird experience when you, when you don't know that it has happened and then you see the other version of the thing, whereas at least with yeah. the office, I knew, although I had never seen The British Office before I saw The American Office, I knew that it was essentially a remake of a British television show. So then when I saw the British version, there was nothing, it wasn't weird. Like it wasn't, I expected it to be the same show with the same plot. It was the, it's like watching, it's like watching a different production of a play. Yeah,
2: yeah. Because
0: like no matter how many times you go and see Annie, different actors play those roles slightly differently, but it's the same play. And I felt like that's what was happening. And that, yeah, because I expect, I knew I was just like seeing a different production. Like, Oh, this is the touring company, <laughs> you know? Exactly.
1: <laughs> and the, I mean, the office, that first episode, like it's almost shot for shot. Like yes. maybe yes. 75% the same words.
0: <laughs> um, I mean, the only changes are things that are very much, you know, sort of, british speak that had to be translated into american speak
1: cultural context stuff yeah yes
0: and you know there are you know truck and lorry like there are di- different words but yes the dialogue is other than having been rewritten for american english it is yeah. exactly the same the plot is exactly the same everything that happens like the jello thing happens mm-hmm. everything that happens in in the british pilot happens in the american pilot and, and vice versa but yes they just had to rewrite lines to come out of american actors mouths and not sound insane
1: <laughs> we'll leave these sounding insane for later.
0: Well, no, but I mean, if an, if an American person without a British accent starts talking Laurie. about like the delivery lorry he saw on the road, yeah, like that's weird.
1: Also, uh, asking <laughs> someone for cigarettes becomes terribly complicated. Yes,
0: that is not a word. That that is a real. That is a real different use of a word.
1: Cultural sticking point right there.
0: Yes. There are Also throwing
1: around like the C word is a thing you can't do on U.S. television.
0: Yes, there are things that are culturally very much less accepted or very much more accepted in one country or the other. And and in some cases where the same word just means something entirely different. Yeah. I mean, I had a wonderful time uh, years ago when we had a temp in the office who was British. And um, she... A few of us were having a conversation about like bags, and we talked about fanny packs, and she got very <laughs> distressed.
1: You mean a bum bag?
0: Turns out, <laughs> yes. Um, but she was just horrified, like blushing, at like we, um, we were like, "What is going on? Like, That's a good one. Are you okay? What is?" And she was like, "I. J- what are you talking fanny packs? Why?" And we're like, "It's like a bag that you put." On your, I mean, most people are at the front, but it's, you know, it can go on your back. And Fanny, like it's your, it's different a nice part word of the for your butt. Yeah. Like it's, sort it, because in, in North America, Fanny is sort of a euphemism for, yeah. butt. it's the nicer word. It's the one we say, so we don't say butt or ass or rear end or, you Rumpus. know, you can't say rear end bag. That sounds stupid. It sounds um, like in
1: something in my car.
0: <laughs> and she, so then she's like, okay, well, it means something very different in Britain. <laughs> and we said what does it mean like what because i didn't know and i have i've considered myself yeah even then this was probably around 2008 but i consider myself pretty up on like british lingo yeah absolutely. because i was raised watching pbs and i watched all kinds of british television
2: you're
1: on record um, as an anglophile
0: yeah, like I grew up watching "Are You Being Served?" and "Faulty Towers" and "Yes Minister," and like I was very well versed in, and and you know also like their dramas. Like I watched Prime's all of Prime Suspect. Like I'm very yeah. well versed <laughs> in British television, and I was this was one I wasn't familiar with. Um, and so, and she it took her a long time. To, I should mention she's uh, she's a lovely woman. She's also extremely religious.
2: Oh, okay. And
0: so was really having a problem um, <laughs> with, with anatomy with all of this just very conservative very religious very and so finally uh she managed to she's like means um means your your front bottom yikes (laughs) which we interpreted our brains to mean what it It means vagina i don't like that Um, at all (laughs) right like front bottom was like you could just say vagina
1: that's or like, like bathing suit area is another fun euphemism
0: yes but that one's very funny and, especially <laughs> cause especially for women there are multiple areas covered by a bathing suit of course um but yeah i thought front bottom was pretty good I was like Ugh. that's wow um because you know vagina is just the anatomical term like it's not we like to pretend that it's a dirty word for some reason but that's actually just what that part of the body is called like yeah it's like saying elbow um it should be. Anyway, we had a very we had everyone had quite a laugh after that, and we explained what we meant, and we mm-hmm. asked what what do they what do you call it? Because surely you have this accessory. Yes, that's when we found out it was a bum bag.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh. In uh, Andrea Savage's amazing show, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was uh, an episode where she and her husband, the characters, the their daughter had a babysitter who referred Mm -hmm. to that part of the daughter's body as her front tushy. Oh dear. And that's just also quite upsetting. You don't like
0: that either. Yeah.
1: And that was like that was the A story of the episode was the use of this term. (laughs)
0: Front tushy. I mean unless you're dealing with an infant and diaper changing, I'm not sure why you're talking about that at all. But okay.
1: It was appropriate in context for it to be brought up, but the use of that term was I um, mean, yeah, I would say like
0: In like a diapering situation that this might be relevant but otherwise it's a weird conversation to have about someone's child yeah and on on that note so last thoughts on pretty hard cases yes um check it out i'm excited to see what they do and i'm gonna catch up all the way to the end of season two before they drop season three i hope fingers crossed yeah uh, the viewer can't see it, but Chris will confirm. I am crossing. I will crossing all my fingers. fingers.
1: Oh, I didn't know um, you could do that.
0: That's really cool. I can do both. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Very, very much. Very much. Uh, looking forward to seeing where it goes and and how they continue to sort of navigate that terrain. But I think they're doing a a good job. I think they show that we can still do police procedurals. We mm-hmm. just have to do them differently, and we have to look at more sides of the story.
1: Uh, I will say I know a bit of what happens in season two, and I'm not going to spoil anything except to say Mm. that there are some undercover
0: shenanigans that I think you will enjoy. Um, I think something must happen also along the way, because I have seen a photo that I believe is from season three, which they're shooting right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's uh, Meredith McNeil's character, Sam, but she's in uniform.
2: Ooh.
1: Maybe Which she gets a promotion.
0: One, well, testimony one's been demoted. She looks like a beat cop.
1: Oh. oh, I was imagining her being, you know, a deputy chief or something, you know, some, oh. some like, you know, inspector level, you know, a higher, mm. a higher rank and therefore requiring class A uniform as opposed to, you know, street clothes.
0: Right. No, it looks, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. But it yeah. looks to me like a beat cop uniform.
2: Well,
0: because um, it's not like, It's not a dress uniform. It's not super fancy. No, it's like the short sleeves and that. Like she looks Mm. like she's walking the beat. See, Um, in
1: my in my mind's eye, she was wearing like a navy blue jacket. You know, like a dress uniform.
0: No, no, that I would that would be different. I would have said dress uniform actually because no, it's a leap I made on my own. (laughs) Yeah, Um, but it looked because you know you start as a beat cop, you start as a uniform cop, and then you move up to detective and you wear plain clothes. Yeah street clothes or plain clothes Mm -hmm. Um, and so but she's so either now maybe we're in a flashback
1: could be I don't know
0: or maybe something happens in season two that gets her demoted or maybe it's an undercover situation or Mm -hmm. maybe 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 I don't know I'm intrigued I'm intrigued to see what goes on
1: well drumroll please
0: (laughs) (laughs) you can put that in post I'm not going to thump on my table because I fear that the mic would pick it up in a weird way and it would be upsetting to the listener
1: Well, the last thing we want to do is upset our listeners.
0: Absolutely. (laughs) So, uh, Chris, I know you snuck in a recommendation earlier in the show, (laughs) but what are your official recommendations?
1: Okay, so official recommendations. Um, Our original pitch for this segment was global recommendations and to push ourselves to watch things beyond North America. And Mm -hmm. I've been super lazy about that generally. Um, (laughs) But it occurred to me that I never uh, told our our listeners my fun project from early in the year where I was going to watch all of the James Bond movies. Oh, yes. So my recommendation is, yes, I finished that. And Mm. it's fun. So Ah. if you want to watch 25 movies, 25 weeks in a row that were not made... Uh, by an american <laughs> company whatever in hollywood per se obviously they're very american industry palatable movies and have yes, a lot of americans sure. in them from time to time um but yeah go go for it they're mostly fine <laughs> no, <laughs> a I mean... ringing
0: endorsement they're mostly fine
1: <laughs> no, that was uh semi-performative uh Bond is such a complex franchise and anybody with a 2020s um, brain going back to watch things from the 60s, you're going to have notes, Um, even things through the 70s. Like it's it's fascinating how dated the Bond movies are, you know, not just the clothing, not just the music, not just the way people in the movies are treated based on demographics. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is it's they're a real like, living time capsule of a film series because nobody else has been making movies sort of nominally in the same genre about the same person for yeah. 60 years. Yeah. And so to watch them kind of all in one big chunk mostly chronologically was a real fascinating exercise. You know, it's not the same as like marathoning all the MCU movies or right. even like, you know, Star Wars or Star Trek which are, you know, similar in length of time, but they're so removed from contemporary society and Bond is supposed to be happening now whenever it's made.
0: Yes. Yeah. So
1: so Mild. yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's really fun and um I sort of started putting together like if I was to write a Bond movie which I'm never going to get the opportunity to do that like (laughs) what are the things I love about Bond like what are the ideal bits and pieces and so Mm -hmm. I sort of thought about it for a few weeks and finally like yeah I think I could actually just do this because so much of it is kind of formulaic yeah. And like action screenplays aren't really that many words. I mean, you know, it's the sort of classic one minute per page, but you, sure. it's not like a novel where, you know, a two hour movie of a novel would be 100,000 words. Like a screenplay is about 40. At, yeah, the most. well,
0: because uh, action is interesting because a lot of it in the actual script will be description. So mm-hmm. often it takes longer, it takes more space on a page to write it down yeah. than it will take on the screen so the one minute per page actually gets harder when you're doing action because sometimes something that will go by in the blink of an eye on the screen takes quite a bit of description on the page to outline like this is what you're going to see happen it absolutely can it's a lot of words for three seconds of film.
1: It definitely yeah. it goes it sort of goes both ways because you might also do like a fisticuffs scene in a script. Yes, and you're you write not, they fight exactly. <laughs> so you're not going to write out like everything that the stunt coordinator is going to figure exactly, out. Exactly. Yes. Um, so it's it's a fun exercise, but I'm going to do it for my Nano Remo project, uh, nice. National Novel Writing Month, which starts in a week or so from our recording. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, I. Um,
0: is it? Do they say nano I in my head, I've been saying nano Rimo for years.
1: I feel like Rimo is probably the correct because right is the you know the i vowel is the. That's why it's Rymo? like that in
0: in my head. I'm saying yeah. I
1: think you're correct, but I tend not to say it that way. Oh, okay. and I don't have like an excuse or anything. I just oh, tend to it's say just... it that way.
0: You're, it, I think you're the first person I've ever heard say it out loud. <laughs> like I've seen it written down forever because you see it on the internet, right? This uh-huh. is the thing that you know about from the internet. And so yeah. I've always, my brain goes Rimo because National Novel Writing Month. And I've never heard anyone say it out loud. So now I'm like, does everyone else say NaNoWriMo? Yeah. Like that's great right question. or wrong? Like, am I saying it differently than everyone else does? What's in other people's heads? So
1: I honestly you. have no idea. But when I pronounce it in my head, that's the way it come out. Um, so yeah i mean we'll see if i if i manage to get through it maybe we'll talk about it more in the future but i will Mm -hmm. say that it takes place partially in canada Mm. because that's a place that it seems like bond would have been but he has never been in any of the um main eon production movies to canada
0: where in canada in ottawa okay i like that there's (laughs) a specific location oh no it's
1: it's very specific i just wasn't going to dive all the way far into it because so
0: often I hear Canada as if it's like one small place and everyone knows where that is
1: oh no I will tell you the specifics of the whole thing and where and when and why but I just we were trying to keep this a little on the shorter side so I didn't want to dive into all of the (laughs)
0: details no of course not but if you would said Ottawa (laughs) (laughs) instead of Canada
1: it it takes place at the capital
0: (laughs) it is is it's an extremely American thing that most of you guys do and Mm -hmm. it's not like no, I agree. Just to you. say, it's very, very funny. Like, when I talk about somewhere in the States,
2: mm-hmm. unless
0: I really mean, like, broadly, the, the country,
2: yeah,
0: I, I will tend to say, like, Pennsylvania or California or even the city, you know? Like, yeah. we'll hear things like Washington, D.C. or Las Vegas, Nevada, or Chicago, Illinois, and then people say things like Vancouver, Canada, or more yeah. more often just like, oh, Can- oh, my friend Stevie, she's from Canada. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, your postal service also does it. Yeah. Where, when yeah. I'm trying to track a package... And they will just for days, the location, like it will tell me exactly where in the US. It, like, with, with the zip code and everything. And then once it crosses the border, it it's goes like, to the
1: one place in Canada.
0: Packages in Canada. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, where?
1: <laughs> Halifax. That's
0: right. Because that's very different than, like, is it anywhere near me? I ordered something from the States fairly recently, like within yeah. the last couple months. And it, like, I got, I mean, it, it went, it it had a crazy journey. Like if it were sentient, it would have had a wild time, but like it went from like wherever it originated in Texas or whatever to like, it went to Denver and then it went to like Chicago and then it went, and then eventually it went to Canada. Mm -hmm. And I know enough about how the mailing system works to know that it was probably in Montreal because that's probably where they sent it. But it was just, it was funny that the tracking like, latest update canada and then a couple days later updated canada like, yeah. so of course i switched to canadians pro tip always switch to canada post because canada post will tell <laughs> you where it is um and yeah. sure enough they were like montreal it's like great so that's almost as far from me as it can possibly get and still be in the country like there's a couple provinces east of that look like, it hasn't hit the maritimes but like it's in quebec it needs to come to uh... british columbia so it's going to be a few days um the best part of that was of course they could have if the system were less insane, they could have just sent it due north because. Yep. Like from, I think it came from, it was either somewhere in California or Texas, but wherever it came from, it was like, basically you could just send it north and it would be much closer, but oh no, we had to go all the way east. And Should then have north taken
1: the pony express.
0: <laughs> and then all the way back west. So
1: Well, the, there's two third act set pieces. One of them takes place at the Capitol and the other in the St. Lawrence Seaway on a yacht. Okie doke. So specific.
0: Interesting.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, And I also want to shout out um, Kevin Smith's new movie, Clerks 3, Mm -hmm. um, which fun, Canada Connection, had a little bit of the Degrassi theme music in part of it. (laughs) Um, But, uh, yeah, I know um, not everyone's a huge Kevin Smith fan, and I know why, but I am, and I love this movie, and Mm -hmm. I think everybody should give it a shot, because... Kevin Smith has grown a lot as a filmmaker and this was a surprisingly emotional and complex movie, which yes still contains a lot of Dick and fart
0: jokes. Um, Kevin is particularly beloved in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. Actually, he assisted us in saving the Rio theater. Mm -hmm. uh, When he started uh, touring again, after he had his very frightening heart attack, we were one of the first places he came. Uh, He, he is particularly beloved over yeah here. so uh i second that yeah go go support kevin
1: yeah i imagine he will be coming to town there because he's touring the movie i don't know what the schedule is oh i'm but sure he
0: will be at the rio yep. if he
1: has not yet i'm sure he will be <laughs>
0: i i would be shocked if he wasn't uh we love him and he loves us
1: um but yeah i'm about to watch it a second time either tonight or tomorrow so really really great movie uh what are your recommendations for the folks
0: um, I may have given this one last time, but I will reiterate it. If I did, I want everyone to go and watch She-Hulk, Attorney at Law.
1: <laughs> yes. S-
0: starring the great Tatiana Maslani. Um, the season finale was really something.
1: It was so much fun. It
0: was crazy. I loved it so much. Um, it's such a fun show. I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but it's just, I love everything about that show. It's so fun. So please go see that. Uh, what a great example of a Canadian in an American show. <laughs> um, it's way more normal for a Canadian to be the star of an American show than for an American to be the star of a Canadian show, which is why I found it so jarring in pretty hard cases. <laughs> yeah, never happens. Um, and then also, uh, if you are not a subscriber of the podcast Stay of Hopkins you might be <laughs> unaware of the uh, October tradition that has continued this year, um, where... Paul and Janie, the Homekinses, Paul of Tompkins, Janie Hannah Tompkins, a, a married couple. She's an actress. He's a comedian. Uh, they were locked down during the pandemic with recording equipment, started a podcast and are still doing it, for which I'm very grateful. It's very fun. Um, the but Homekinses. The Homekinses. What they do uh, in October is they release weekly watch-alongs for spooky or Halloween-ish movies. Um, these are a lot of fun they will help you queue up the movie to make sure that you're exactly in sync. And then it is like watching the movie with them. Yep. Um, but they're cause some, some watch alongs are too much. Like you can't really hear the movie. They're not like that. They, they really do watch the movie, but they, yeah. and they pay attention, but they comment along with it. And it is absolutely delightful. Uh, the most recent one that I did, although it's not the most recent one that's out. Cause I'm behind is the fall of the house of Usher, the 1960 Vincent price.
2: Um,
0: <laughs> adaptation of Edgar Allan Poe's short story uh oh what a what a what a weird movie (laughs) what a wild I mean it's Edgar Allan Poe so of course it's weird but just what a what an experience and so fun to to get to pretend to have it with them um so this is I listen I think this is particularly great if you're a person who lives alone um or if you're a person who like likes different movies than your partner <laughs> does or something but like you 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 wouldn't necessarily watch this movie if it were just up to you but you want to watch it with these people
1: <laughs> yeah yeah
0: like on my own i don't know if i would have watched fall of the house of usher but with paul and Janie, it was an absolute delight uh, i had a lot of fun watching it it was so strange partly because it's it's 1960s it's vincent price the story's wild the acting is bizarre um i just i I recommend doing it it's a really fun thing to do if you're home of an evening Uh, (laughs) they've also done carrie the original uh sissy Spacek carrie um it is sissy Spacek, right i'm not crazy yeah, Susie Spacek and, and Piper Laurie—the original, That's the carry—not one of the remakes. There have been like at least two remakes. It's the original, uh, and they've done Hellraiser, and I think I uh, want Candyman, maybe I don't know. And I they don't did a bunch last yeah. year, so you can go find them, um, and they're they're a delight. So I recommend doing that for your Halloweenish viewing, even though you're listening to this in early November. It's not too late; you can still do it.
1: Uh, the only one of those that I watched slash listened to was they did Malice last year, the Bill Pullman, Nicole Kidman, Alec Baldwin. (laughs) Yes, um, I did
0: that one too. Chaos
1: movie uh, co-written by Aaron Sorkin. And I know that movie pretty well, so I just listened to the audio oh, because they had the movie Ambient and so I could sort of hear the movie and so I didn't need to watch it on my own because I've seen it a million times. Mm -hmm. But um, I am, I think it's great that they're doing that, but I am sad that they're mostly doing scary movies because I don't like scary movies. So unfortunately, Um, I just am not as into participating.
0: I would not. I mean, Fall of the House of Usher is not scary. Sure, uh, I don't think Carrie is scary unless unless you're terrified of menstruation. Um, it's <laughs> not currently. <laughs> they are not. They they don't pick horror movies really. So yeah. for the most part, like they don't they don't pick things that you might find unwashable. Well, they did. So, yeah. I don't
1: know, like a vampire or something last year, and I just interview with the vampire maybe they did interview
0: with the vampire last yeah. year that was really fun yeah um also last year uh, oh this might be particular to max Fun subscribers though so maybe i shouldn't bring it up but if you're a max Fun eh. subscriber i believe in the bonus content there is a watch along of dracula okay. like the old one not like bella lugosi that oh one.
1: all right yeah yes Bad uh
0: guy. with john hodgman and, <laughs> oh, cool. and the j squad yep um so, uh, of the uh, Judge John Hodgman podcast. So that is, so John, Jesse, Jennifer, the J-Squad. Uh, that's a lot of fun as well. So basically I recommend watch-alongs yeah. for movies. They're really fun. I do too. Um, <laughs> also, if you were to get tired of the commentary, which I never have, you can turn it off. But it does it does feel like watching a movie with people. And when it's done by people who are like professionally funny, it's particularly enjoyable. Because Absolutely. Because yeah. their commentary is... Excellent.
1: As a a lifelong MSC3K fan,
2: professional
1: (laughs) comedy writers watching a movie with you. Yes. I think I've done that.
0: (laughs) Very fun. All right. uh, I guess we should move on to plugs.
1: Yeah. Do you want to dive into your plugs? We're, we're coming up to our heart
0: out. Oh no. Uh, Yes, absolutely. So uh, you can always find me on the interwebs um, on Twitter and Instagram at Stevie KJ. That's, S-T-E-V-I-E-K-A-Y-J-A-Y. (laughs) M-O-U-S-E. Well, I spell spell it out because I've had people just put in the initials K-J. No, I totally get it. That doesn't work.
1: I think that every time.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's also, uh, I spelled out my initials is what happened to make the screen name longer. So uh, that's where I am on Twitter or Instagram. You can also find me uh, on my website, steviejackson.ca. Please go watch my short film and its spinoff web series honestly charlotte and honestly charlotte series you can find those on the fearless streaming service uh, and we are one of their free offerings so you do not need to pay to watch charlotte um you can also find links to that through honestlycharlotte.com. chris what are your plugs Uh,
1: i don't have much at the moment i'm still in my trying to fucking finish things phase of 2022 (laughs) <laughs> Not going great, but we'll see. Um, no, I shouldn't be um, modeling or whatever in a plug section. Um, hopefully, I will have something to announce on the next one, which will be the Bond project I mentioned. And because I can't sell that, it'll just be up on my website for free, which is Christopher Uh Say hi on Twitter at Chris M. Royce. You can follow the show on Twitter at Buds W O Boards or find mm-hmm. show notes and more at Buddies Without Borders. I kind of do a spelling cadence with that. <laughs> <laughs> get it
0: all out <laughs> I think it helps people type it in I don't know I mean I recently found out uh, that I am old because if I give a gmail address I add the dot com mm-hmm. like you know uh, buddieswithoutborders at gmail.com apparently the kids just say at gmail
1: yeah I think I would do that for most um, email domains at yahoo at gmail at earthlink
0: well I mean things like yahoo there was for instance a dotca Oh, like there, some of these domains have dot something else. Perhaps that's an
1: America centric viewpoint.
0: It is. Um, but there is no gmail.ca or dot anything else. Like there is, there was like yahoo.au, yahoo.uk, yahoo.ca. So which might be part of how we got into the habit. And also those of us early internet adopters got very used to just saying dot com or dot whatever on the end.
1: Yeah. Very Um, true.
0: My web domain is a dot CA because it's Mm -hmm. in Canada. Um, but yes apparently specifically with regard to gmail uh, i see your point now adding the dot com makes us old and apparently we're insulting gen z when we do thumbs up but i'm not giving that one up
1: can i say How else
0: will i communicate silent approval
1: i i read the coverage of that article and apparently mm-hmm. it was just like a nonsense op-ed clickbait thing oh, that somebody misinterpreted or over inflated <laughs> so i i decided. I'm
0: sure it originated on TikTok. I don't know. Apparently they that generation uses it more sarcastically than previous generations or something. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not giving it up. I it's part of my physical vocabulary. Yeah. I don't know how to stop doing it. Also, we can't use the okay sign anymore because the, yeah.
2: The I'm white supremacists
0: so. stole it. So you have to let me have my thumbs up. Because otherwise I'm just out of hand gestures for silent approval. Or give
1: me a (laughs) toes up emoji. I don't know what the solution is.
0: Oh, no. All right. No, no, no. That's it. We're done. (laughs) Thank you for listening. Uh, Please rate and subscribe and tell a friend. Uh, Happy trick or treating. I don't know. We'll talk to you next month.
2: Bye.